Hi, this is Monica Olivas. I love running, eating, and sharing the best tips and strategies to help you run your best life. It's time to get inspired, do the work, and be brave so you can chase down your goals. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. Today, I'm sharing a trick that really helped me stop binge eating. And along the way, I realized it's a tool you can use to change a bad habit or something about yourself that you want to stop or improve. Oh, and Diego almost drowned this weekend. And I have another scary dog story that happened even before that. So let's start with that in the warm up. This warm up is for the dogs. I have two dog themed stories that were scary and then maybe funny, maybe not scary, maybe a teachable moment, maybe all of the above. You can decide. So before the Diego thing happened, the day before actually, I have another completely unrelated dog interaction. So to set the scene, there are a couple things you need to know. One, I am staying in my parents' back house. I actually have been since mid-March when the stay-at-home order went into place in California. It was mid-March. At the time of this recording, it is mid-June. So I've been here this whole time. But we moved here when I was in junior high. Like I lived here for years and years. I'm familiar with this area. This is not new. But it's different from where I was most recently. For whatever reason, dogs get out of their yards periodically more often than I have experienced anywhere else around here. And there aren't a lot of, there aren't any actually dog parks or things like that. So there are not I don't think that the dogs are really socialized to other dogs as much. They're more socialized to people. So if there is a stray dog and you happen to be walking your dog, it is more likely that the dog will be aggressive towards your dog. We've had interactions like this. So we try to be really careful. Even without another dog, my mom has been bit. Well, out on a run before we've had different situations where you just want to be careful and cautious. Most people that, or a lot of people I see that take walks around here are like, have a stick with them or something like that to kind of, I think for the most part, I used to think before it really occurred to me, and this is a long time ago, I kind of thought it was like a impromptu cane. Um, But then I realized people of varying ages and physical abilities have them. And oftentimes it's just like a random stick. Sometimes it's actually this morning, you know, the attachment that goes on a garden hose, it like extends it. Like sometimes they are a long kind of metal tube, and then it'll have like a sprinkler attachment on the end. If you want to do more of like a power washing situation this morning. For example, when I went for a run, I saw a cute little old man and that was his stick for the day. Um, You just want to have it just in case like a dog comes running at you. It's just a thing that's fairly common here. So I realize that when I am running or walking around here and the day after my long run, I take a rest day where I will go on a walk. um, And if I am being good, and I put that in air quotes, I'll stretch after. And that was kind of the plan after my long run. The next day, I went to take Diego on a morning walk and stretch. That was the original intention. So we do our little loop around the neighborhood. And as I get back to close to my street, I'm walking up a block and I am on the left side of the street. I'm going to just turn left onto that block and walk now down my street. That's it's less than a half a mile from there. And it I'm on my street again. When I go to make the left, 
on this walk, I turn just kind of instinctually as if I am crossing the street, even though I wasn't, I look to the right and I see that on the next block over, there are two dogs walking on the sidewalk towards us and there are no people and there's a school right there. So it wasn't like these dogs were just let out of their house because sometimes that happens, right? Like someone will let the dogs sniff around in the front yard, but there's, there's a person, a human responsible for them nearby. I knew for sure this was not a situation where I just couldn't see their owners. I realized like this, there are just two dogs. One of them is a Cocker Spaniel, which I'm very partial to. I had one growing up, super cute. The other one is a German Shepherd. And I look, I see them, and I turn to like walk briskly, thinking, I don't know, and I don't know how or why I even thought, like, ah, let's just turn. At that point, I was straight up in their eye line. And, but I think I'm going to kind of hustle. Maybe they're just. <laughs> out for their own little rest day stroll and don't want any trouble. So I turn and I start kind of like walking quickly down the street. Cause I'm like, I just got to get home. I look back and see these dogs are running towards us. Diego and I, it is very early in the morning. No one else is around. And there is a German shepherd and a cocker spaniel making a beeline straight for us. And of course, my first thought is, why would these dogs just start running full force towards us? Like they are going to, or at least (laughs) I'm mostly concerned about the German Shepherd attack Diego. I'm terrified. I am terrified. I'm flooded with adrenaline and just anxiety. I'm freaking out. So I start, as soon as I realize that they're running, I start running and I, cause I look back and I yell, no, no at them. And I'm trying to just be very firm in my voice and very loud and assertive. And also though run, because I mean, at that point before we were even running, they were running towards us because in hindsight, I think, well, if you start running, sometimes a dog will start chasing you. They started running first. No, but they did. They started running first. And at that point, like, what am I supposed to do? I start running too. (laughs) And I realize that we're not going to be able to outrun the German Shepherd. Like, no, Diego is not going to be able to outrun this dog. I don't know if I would be able to outrun this dog at this point. And because notable to that, in my defense, I had run a long run the day before with tempo intervals in that long run. So maybe I could on another day run, (laughs) outrun that dog. I don't, I don't need to find out though. I don't need to prove that to myself because that is too scary. But I realized finally, we're not going to be able to make it to the house. And even if we were able to, the gate to get in to my parents' house is just, I wouldn't be able to get it open, get in the gate before the dog caught up to us. Plus, we have three other very large dogs on the other side of that gate. And if they saw us or heard us coming, they would immediately be right there too. And I knew those dogs would get out or we couldn't get in or it would just be crazy. But I finally am like, no, I turn around because I know we're not going to outrun these dogs. And I yell at the dog and I wave my little stick thing, which if we want to get into specifics is actually like half of a trekking pole. I got trekking poles from my boyfriend in college because we were going to trek it up. I do not know where the rest of this pole is or the other. Actually, do you only have one trekking pole? I think maybe I might've just had one. I don't know where the rest of it is or if it came with a second at this point, which wouldn't have helped me either way. I decide to stop drop and roll, which is apparently not something you do in this situation. 
there was a miscommunication in my little first aid training, but no, I turn around and I am trying to yell forcefully at the dog because if you remember in episode number, I don't really know specifically, I will put it in the show notes, but I talked with a self-defense expert about yeah, self-defense. And she said that you have to be very loud and assertive, which I was trying to be just that that was self-defense against a person and not a dog because these dogs did not even flinch. And I'm sure they have amazing hearing. And I was very loud telling them no, but they didn't care. I'm waving the stick. I am terrified. I don't know what to do. And I am trying to stay between the German Shepherd and Diego. At this point, I'm just thinking, you know, let the Cocker Spaniel bite us. We'd survive it. But I am completely like code red in just freaking out about this German Shepherd. And it kind of hesitates for a beat or two when I stop and I'm waving the stick and I'm yelling and I'm trying to keep Diego behind me. But then it's like, what are you going to do, B? Who can check me, boo? And it comes towards me and kind of like lunges towards me. And I'm like moving out of the way. I ended up in the middle of the street at some point, trying to back away from this dog and keep Diego behind me. At one point, this entire time, one car passed by at one point. But by the time that car passed by, it didn't look like a code red situation because eventually I realized, and I, I'm like very much focused on keeping the dog away from Diego. So I think the combination of that and the dog jumping towards me, I didn't realize that this dog wanted to be my friend after all of this. The running completely towards us, the not stopping, not being intimidated by me screaming, by waving my stick, by trying to back away. No, the dog was just happy to see me because, you know, I'm a delight. And even despite my screaming, no, stick waving, antisocial behavior, running away, the dog still thought I was a delight. But I really just wanted to get out of this situation. I was still like, I can not be friendly. I need to get out of here. And I tried to cross the street. The dog followed me. The dog started to kind of walk and then realized I wasn't coming and came back again, like jumping on me. And he's not like licking me. This isn't a movie where he knocks me down and licks my face and I giggle and I'm like, oh, buddy, we're new best friends. No, but he was like jumping on me just like he kind of is friendly, but isn't trained not to jump on people. So I'm like, okay, well, I I can't just hang out here in the middle of the street getting all knotted up in the dog leash at this point. So I just start walking towards home and the dogs come in too. And the the German Shepherd, the Cocker Spaniel, Diego, me, we're all kind of going towards the house. And I call my mom, I grab my cell phone because I realize once I get to the house or before I even get to the house, I need to have all of the dogs inside away from the gate so that I can try to slip in with Diego and this dog not also try to slip in or the other dogs, just because it's their yard, they would be barking at this dog, seeing another dog pass by, whether someone's walking it or it's just free ball in it, taking a stroll on its own little doggy rest day that like our dogs like to bark at dogs that are passing by. It's what dogs do. I call my mom so that she can get the dogs inside. And she's it's like, this is a bad connection. Um, okay. Can we talk about that another day? If I'm calling you at six o'clock in the morning, like there's obviously something wrong, but after some back and forth and confusion. She finally at least comes outside and helps coordinate me getting into the gate. And then at that point, so Diego and I are safe and sound until the next day when Diego thought he can walk on water. But up at the until that point, we're safe and sound, A. And B, I end up feeling like 
complete crap for the whole rest of the day because I'm just thinking, oh, that dog wanted to be my friend. And like, I just felt so bad. And there was a guy that ended up passing by afterwards because my dad came outside and this guy's happened to be walking by. And my dad's like, is this your dog? And the guy's like, no. And the dog ended up following him. And I couldn't tell if both of the dogs ended up following him. Like it seemed like the Cocker Spaniel got distracted, but I was worried about it. I was hoping that this guy just let that dog follow him all the way home, both of them. But I just felt so bad after that. I was like, I should have helped that dog, even though I obviously need to help myself and get some help because I just like my reaction was so terrifying. And I just, I mean, obviously, thank God, thank God, thank God it was fine. And it was funny in hindsight. Like now my family and I keep joking about it because we're like, okay, you were like, thought you were about to die. And this dog just wanted to be your friend. It was a scary looking dog. And I have seen dogs actually get into fights with each other. Like I have been in scary situations. And then afterwards I was just like, oh, can we keep him? Which if I was not living in my parents' back house, I probably would have at least hung out with them until I found their home. But that is what it is. And maybe I'm just at that time in my life or in the month, if you will, that feeling guilty about that would just would make me cry for the whole rest of the day, half of the next day and a little bit today as well. But let's all just send prayers and good vibes that those dogs are safe and sound. Diego and I stay safe and sound. And let me tell you about Diego's fun question mark pool situation. So our pool is gated off for safety reasons. It's like we try to be very safe and smart about this. And the dogs can go in and out. Like when we are in the pool, most of the time they're not super interested in it. All the other dogs are scared of the water. We've tried to get Diego in in the past and like he likes to go to the beach and splash around. He obviously can swim, but it's not his favorite thing in the world. I had my dog Roxy would jump in the, like if you let her in the pool area, she would go for it. Like she loved to just do a couple laps. This weekend, my dad and my brother go into the pool area to look at something. I don't know. They were going to fix or talk about whatever. And so they're hanging out in there and the dog were coming and going in and out because they have the gate open right then. I don't know if they were like bringing stuff into the area, whatever, but they are in there doing stuff. So when they go to leave the pool area, they're done with whatever. My dad turns to whistle to get whoever is still in the area to run out real fast because they will come when you whistle. He turns to whistle. And as he whistles, Diego steps into the pool because we have these big plastic solar like sheets on top of the pool. They're supposed to help warm the water. Like the pool isn't heated in another way. So we just have these, this helps to really make the water warm in the summer when it's hot. So we have these big plastic sheets, mats, I don't know what you want to call it, that go across the pool. I think there are like three of them to help warm it up. I don't know if Diego's ever seen these sheets on there before. Um, I, I mean, he, I think he has because they use them every year and he was around last summer. So he's seen them. Anyways, suddenly he thinks he can walk on water or if nothing else, walk on this solar plastic thing, this plastic mat. He steps into like the pool, just as my dad is trying to call them out. I happen to be right there um, because as soon as I hear my dad whistle, I like go to just double check that Diego is being good since he's my dog. And I see him and like, hear the splash. It just like all happened at the same time. And he does it in the kind of deeper end of the pool, but he can swim. 
and that's fine. So I go to the step and my dad's like, call him Monica. And like, we're just like trying to get him to swim to the step where he can get out. But the solar sheet is kind of like making it hard for him to swim. And it kind of goes up around him. And he still kind of thinks that it is ground on some level because he would kind of turn and try to like get, like put his paw towards a part of it that was still floating. And it was just making it really hard for him to swim. So my brother went to the side of the pool by him and was trying to pull the plastic away so that he could just swim to me. But that was just making him kind of get super tired out because as he's trying to swim and we're trying to pull the plastic to get him untangled, he's not really making progress. And the way he got in the pool was very abrupt. So he's startled from the start and he just seemed very frantic and he started to go towards me and then he would get distracted and like go to like go towards the plastic on the side of him again, which isn't in the right direction. And finally, I just realized like he looks, I know he can swim and I really want to get him to the steps so that if this God forbid were to ever happen again, he knows how to get out, but I had to kick off my shoes and go in and just help him. He just, I was start. We were all kind of starting to get scared and like, he looks like he's getting tired. Yeah. So that was another very scary situation. I got in and I kind of led him towards the steps. So at least like he felt like he was swimming, hopefully, and led him to the steps so he could walk out himself. Um, and then I just sat there and I'll put uh, pictures in the show notes because I luckily I had my phone in my hand. Oh, see, that's another good perk of not having a pocket. I had my phone in my hand, so I put it down. And since it was right there um, afterwards, because my mom was standing, we were all standing around like, that just all happened so fast. So my mom took a couple of pictures. I will put them in the show notes at Run, Eat, Repeat. So you can see Diego and me post almost near drowning situation. And I sat there for a while because I really wanted... I didn't want him to be completely terrified of the water. I really still need him to know how to get out of the pool if that were to ever happen again or anything like that. And so I was kind of just hanging out, sitting inside the water in the step for a while too, just letting him know, like, if we're going to hang out, this is where we're going to hang out, just getting him comfortable with it so that the next time he like, we've had dogs that were so afraid of the water. They wouldn't even go in the pool area. Like they just did not want, they weren't water dogs. They didn't like taking a bath. They didn't like the sprinklers on. They stayed away when like you would even refill their water bowl. Um, my brother's dog Bailey actually specifically I'm thinking about, but I didn't want that to happen to him. And up until this point, he has, he's run through the sprinklers. He goes in the ocean at the beach. Like he has been a water dog. And I just was hoping to kind of, I uh, make sure that he was still comfortable enough at some point down the road to be able to teach him about the step, which is something that we're going to need to work on long-term obviously, because it's just like so important that to make sure that he completely knows it, but Diego is fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. You're okay. Diego's okay. Hopefully we will stay that way. But I mean, oh my gosh, I need an adult Bev now because even reliving it, like the level of like stress and fear that I had from both of those situations. Yeah. It was a little intense. I need to process it a little bit. Just talk it out. Give me some flashbacks of other very scary situations. But I'm very happy to say that we are okay right now. And let's get into the main event. I'm excited to tell you about this life-changing hack, really, that I learned when I was battling with binge eating in college. And what's magical about this and what really makes this life-changing is 
it's helpful to deal with a lot of different bad habits or self-destructive behaviors that you might want to work on. You can use it in a lot of different situations to understand yourself better or to understand someone else better. But I learned it at least initially specific to binge eating. And if talking about binge eating, dieting, and anything related to that is a trigger for you, just skip to another episode, listen to some music. Um, But yeah, that's just kind of where we're going. So know yourself, protect your mental health more than anything. And if you are struggling as a little PSA with your relationship with food, or your self-esteem or body image or mental health, please seek professional help. I am such an advocate and you know this for therapy. And that's why I talk about this stuff so freely because I feel like it's been very life-changing and I feel like it's helpful and useful to share what I have learned, but I'm not a doctor. And I think that working with someone one-on-one can really be the real life changer. So if you have any issues with food or eating disorders, I'm going to put some links in the show notes for some resources that you can check out at Runny Repeat if you need that. Yeah, actually you could stop listening to this podcast if this is going to be a trigger and go check it out there. And yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Let me start off with a little backstory on how I found myself in this situation. I feel like there's a lot of like, let me set the scene. Let me give you a little backstory today. But in a nutshell, I started dieting in high school and ironically ended up gaining more and more weight. And in college, really tried every diet I could. High protein, low carb, Weight Watchers, cabbage soup, pre-portioned meals, and more. And I think the one thing that I kept going back to was what would probably just be called a very low calorie diet. So I was eating very low calorie and I was busy. I'd exercise early in the morning. Then I'd go to class, my part-time job. Sometimes I'd go to another class or do homework, go to my boyfriend's house. It just was a long day. So I would get home late at night and probably had eaten half of what I should have eaten that day. I was starving and I would get home then and I would eat dinner and I would still try to kind of keep the dinner very low calorie. And then I would just start snacking. Like my body just kept wanting more and more food. And sometimes I would just eat big quantities in a short amount of time, or I would just basically continue to eat until I went to sleep that night, just like uh, quote unquote snacking, but just nonstop, like another thing, another thing, another thing until I went to sleep. And it was, I mean, I felt like I had no control over it. And if no one was around, it would really go off the rails. And be a complete binge to the point where I ended up feeling sick. I would wake up the next day and just feel like crap about myself, both physically and mentally. Like I would just feel like this is the opposite of what you're trying to do and you are making yourself worse. And I would just like really beat myself up on every level. I have no willpower. I had done so good. This is what I thought leading up to this. And then I just threw it all in the trash and ate thousands of calories. And I am just going to gain more and more weight despite how good I was all day, basically starving myself. But I just felt like I was destroying my life, my body. Like it was such heavy negative thoughts of just hating, hating myself on every level, hating how I looked, hating myself for continuing to make it worse by overeating, hating myself for not having willpower, hating myself for hating myself, just every level really negative. And so then this 
cycle would start where the next day I would eat even less because I thought, well, now you have to make up for all the extra calories you ate. And then the binge that night would be even worse. And some days, some situations were worse than others. There would be times where it just would just, I don't even know. It was bigger than I could even wrap my head around verbalizing to someone. And I started to realize that I had a problem, both because I knew this was an out of control habit. And also because I realized that it was taking over my life, that I was just always thinking about this. I realized it was impacting my relationship. Like with my boyfriend at the time, he would want to do normal things like go to Disneyland or a friend's barbecue. And most of the time I didn't want to go because I was so self-conscious about how I looked or I was too stressed about what kind of food they would have there. And thankfully... I decided I should go to therapy. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, I think, but it was actually his mom that would talk freely about therapy from the start. Like the first time I went to their Sunday dinner, I think she mentioned something about therapy and it was always such like a, yeah, normal part of the conversation. And I was so young. I must've been at that point, I maybe just turned 19. And so I just thought, okay, this is, it was never like a, oh, that's funny. They talk about therapy. It was just like a completely normal thing. Like I was like, yeah, like my family talks about football. I don't know, like normal dinner conversation really normalized it for me. And I decided to go to therapy. I read a lot of books about dieting and eventually found the book about intuitive eating. It's still one of my favorite books. And the I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well, runningrepeat.com. So the concept of this book is that we're all born knowing when we're hungry, you know, knowing how much to eat, kind of knowing what our bodies want. But that signal can be put on mute for different reasons. Maybe you're forced to eat all your food at home or um, at the cafeteria, wherever you are past the point of, even if you're not hungry, so you're kind of eating when you're not hungry there, you're rushed to eat over and over. You didn't have enough food at one point. So with that scarcity, it's sometimes our instinct to respond to that. And they had done all these studies that references in the book where they basically starved these young men, this group of like healthy young men put them on an excessively low calorie diet for an extended period, and then kind of like followed them. And some of them snuck food. And then some of them following the diet and much past, like after the study was over, they were done, continued to kind of watch them. And some of them continued to overeat past when the study was over because their bodies had had this kind of starvation mode activated um, sometimes your intuitive eating stops. So you can't listen to your body. If you made food rules, so you were told or told yourself that certain foods were good and certain foods were bad. If you've used food to distract yourself emotionally, if you've used it as a friend or to numb feelings, or just, you know, as a safety blanket, if you, if you dieted, or restricted food or didn't give yourself enough calories. There are so many different reasons. But the point is that intuitive eating should be you eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, and kind of give your body the nutrition and taste that it wants. Because it's not all just like 100% healthy and it's not all just 100% listen to your body. You have to find this balance of eating enough and a good balance of different foods so that you feel your best. And if you don't have that ability anymore, you need to kind of rebuild those signals in yourself. And I was so far away from that at the point where I found this book. And the book kind of recognizes that a lot of times people that are struggling with this want to diet, want to lose weight. 
I was reading this book because I still, I wanted to lose weight and I was like, oh, maybe this will help me. I didn't want to just try to listen to my body. I didn't trust my body. And I thought, no, I need to restrict food in order to be able to lose weight, which would trigger a binge, which was making me gain weight. It was this vicious cycle. And every time I would binge and hate myself, I would starve myself even more and then binge even more. And I think the book says something about for every like restriction cycle, there is an equal binge reaction to that. But it's so hard for someone that is struggling with wanting to lose weight. If you have body image issues, uh, if you're using food as a coping mechanism, it's hard to just be like, okay, I'm just going to eat when I'm hungry, but and not when I'm not hungry and just listen to my body. Like, okay, done. No, there's so much like psychologically that goes into this. And when you judge yourself for when you eat, what you eat, how much, how you look, it is really hard to build trust with someone who isn't really treating you well. And that person happened to be me. Like this was me. So this cycle had me physically in this roller coaster of extra calories and not enough calories back and forth. And the cycle also had me in, oh, starving myself is great. Oh no, you binged your a POS and back and forth. And it was not helpful at all. So let's get to the hack. Now it's been years. So I've kind of adapted this to explain it to people in my real life and to use it in different situations. But this is the concept that I feel like has been amazing for me. So now let's get to the hack. And please remember, it's been a while over the years. I have kind of adapted this to explain to other people and to use in different situations. This is how I use this tool. Imagine you're an anthropologist. You are someone that studies humans, human behavior, and societies. This is your life's work. And you're assigned to study the behavior of one human in different situations. Your job is to quietly and carefully watch this human and take notes when they're in different stressful situations. And you should take notes on the action that they are doing in the stressful situation and anything that might be relevant to it. So the time of day, their stress level, blood sugar, fatigue, so how much sleep they got the night before, any preceding events that might be related, upcoming events, social interactions, anything that might be on their mind or going on in their circle that could impact this stressful situation. Don't make any judgments or conclusions about what you see at this point. You want to keep the notes that you're making neutral, but sensitive to their emotions and mental health. The main thing to always remember is to be kind and curious at all times when you are watching your assigned human. And then use this information to list some factors on what may have led to the situation or kind of why they are reacting in this way, in this stressful predicament. And once you've gathered all this information, you can kind of make some assessments as to why your assigned human is making these choices and potentially what could help prevent the situation in the future, make the situation a little better the next time. You can kind of assess if there could be any speed bumps or remedies to this human finding themselves in this situation so that it works out better next time. And the human you are assigned to is 
you. And if you truly do this with an open mind and an open heart, you can get to a place where you see yourself as this human who makes mistakes. And instead of immediately judging yourself for those mistakes and say, why do I keep doing this? Or why does so-and-so act like that? If you do it towards someone else, it gives you the opportunity to just try to figure out what got you into this situation. And with me specifically, it was the binge eating, but I have also been able to apply it to fights with people, you know, just different relationship interactions with all different people that I just like people in my family that I don't necessarily see eye to eye with, trying to understand people that just think differently from me on social issues or politics or whatever it is. If you just are trying to be kind and curious as you are figuring out why someone, yourself included, does something a certain way, says something a certain way, believes something, has a certain habit, or takes a certain action, it can completely help you get out of your own way. And I think that's part of what was so life-changing for me is I was stuck in this funk. You got to fight the funk. And ironically, the fight in this part, you're fighting it with kindness and curiosity because I was just in the cycle and it was a negative cycle. And it was hard for me to be kind to myself because I was always coming from a place of uh, denying either my hunger because I wasn't eating enough or I was eating way too much and would just hate myself. And nothing positive was coming of that. If I am just constantly like punishing myself by not eating and then hating myself if I ate too much, I'm in my way. And I can't look at a situation and be like, hey, yo, you're not eating. Like part of why you are doing that is that's not enough calories. Or part of why you're acting like this is you are self-conscious about your body. So you're going to act like a jerk and say that you don't want to go to this party or whatever it is. Being kind and curious towards yourself when you're trying to overcome a harmful or unhealthy habit can give you the opportunity to actually change it. And if you are kind and curious towards others, when you're trying to figure out why they're that way can help you understand them a little bit more. And maybe you won't agree with them still. Maybe you won't change how they are, but if you can kind of look at it in a different way, it gives you the opportunity to learn and grow. And I think that being kind and curious towards yourself towards everyone around you, especially when there's this, there's a teachable moment that we can learn from each other is something that can be applicable in so many different situations in reference to like the actions you take, your, any self-destructive potentially belief or bad habit, the ones of the people around you. It's hard to get along with people sometimes that do or say things that are just crappy And maybe you still don't need to get along with them, but being able to understand them helps you kind of release it sometimes, or at least put it in perspective. I'm not saying that kindness equals quiet, that you just have to, if you are doing this towards someone else, can just watch someone be crappy and not say anything. No, you can be firm in your beliefs and convictions and lead by example. But understanding someone is a great step in connecting with them. And maybe they will, eventually you'll be able to connect with them so that they understand you too. And everyone can be on the same side and maybe not, 
But I do think that when you are trying to work on something, and oftentimes I think more than anything, it's something internal, like our own stuff that we are like, why do I always do this? Or, oh, I don't like this about myself. Um, Instead of focusing on, I don't like this about myself, asking yourself in a kind and curious way, man, why do I always do that? Or why do I always react to this person that way? Why did I take the bait when this person tried to start a fight with me? Or why did I do this self-destructive thing that I said I really don't want to do this year? Whatever it is, the main message that I am trying to relay is to be kind and curious. Ask yourself without judgment, what's going on? Like, why am I doing this right now? And even what is kind of liberating is you can continue to do that thing. I can continue to binge eat as I am asking myself, as I'm thinking like, why am I doing this? And that happened a lot where I was still doing it. I, it, I'm not saying I could stop it. This is like a long road. I hope you're on a long run right now because this is a long episode. <laughs> but that was also very liberating is realizing for a while, I was just on a fact-finding mission. And I was just being curious. And, you know, sometimes, and it is hard, it's hard to look at. It's hard to sometimes be honest with ourselves and to be present in a moment where you are doing something that you are not proud of. But watching yourself, like really being present, not completely numbing yourself, not completely, because on some level, sometimes I was trying to numb myself with food. And sometimes we try to numb ourselves with alcohol. Sometimes we try to numb ourselves with attention from other people. I have had to use this in reference to relationships, like me maintaining relationships with people that I knew, like this person isn't someone that I want to be with for the rest of my life. Like, why am I still doing this thing? Why am I still interacting with this person? Why am I still playing this little game that ultimately isn't good for me? And I could continue to play this little game before I was strong enough to say, I don't want to, I quit the team. I don't want to play the game. It took a while. It took me having to actually be kind and curious instead of dismissive and be like, okay, this, like, this is what you're getting out of this interaction with this person. And that's part of when I started to realize, I think, and it was in a lot of different situations, just kind of using this hack, realizing this can be used for staying in maybe not the like healthy long-term relationships, just maybe liking to start a fight with a relationship that you don't want to do well for whatever reason. There are just so many different situations that I found, even if I'm still doing it, I'm still doing this thing that I don't necessarily want to be doing in a year. If I am kind and curious and I can figure out like, what exactly is this how does this feel good on some level? How is this serving me? Why do I keep doing this? Like learning from that in so many different situations has really been the like just like so helpful and so life-changing. And I think right now, when every conversation about something, and I have recently found myself in a heated situation with a friend who we think differently on social issues. And we both obviously are very reactionary, especially with how the world is right now. I had to take a beat and I'm not going to change how I feel about these issues that we were arguing about. But for us, like our first reaction to be so emotional and angry and judgmental towards each other isn't going to help us at all. And if nothing else, kids know thy enemy. So if you can understand someone, then maybe you can connect with them and get them to realize your point of view. And we can freaking change the world in a, in the best way, but you got to start with yourself, right? Kind and curious at home. That's what we're going to do.
Anyways, I hope that was helpful. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes at runnyrepeat.com to the book and anything else I mentioned. And now it's time for the awards. First place goes to all the dogs in the world. God bless you. I love you. I want God to actually bless all the dogs in the world. I just like just had such a heart after everything that had happened and me just being on the verge of tears after that like scary interaction and just feeling like now I want to go chase the dog. Yeah. All dogs. They're the best. First place. Always, always. Second place goes to American Dirt by Janine Cummings. I just finished this book, listened to it on Audible, completely loved it. It is, it's a novel, covers a hard topic, but just got me in the guts. Highly recommend if you have read or listened to this book and you know of other books that I'm saying like this book I super loved. If you have any other suggestions on what I should read or listen to after that, because I have been reading a lot of Bubblegum and Britney Spears style books that are very like fluffy and quick. And now I feel like I want to read another fairly, maybe like serious, I guess, maybe something like a novel touching on a social issue. I don't know, just some other really good writing. I'm here for it. So please let me know if you have any suggestions. And third place goes to social media for keeping us connected during this time of social distancing. I love that we've still been able to connect connect with me because I, I do genuinely love it. I do feel like we are this, I always say virtual running club. I'm at Runny Repeat on Instagram. You can join the Facebook group. Let me know what you're doing right now. Take a selfie or a screenshot. Let me know what you do while you listen right now. Maybe you're, you can tell me I'm doing my entire day because this episode is so long. <laughs> I love you, boo, for listening. Thank you so much. So you can read about the bad habit hack, plus see pictures of Diego post the pool situation on runnyrepeat.com. There's a link in the podcast description. If you know anyone that might enjoy the Running Repeat podcast, please suggest it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great run.